Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, as we're recording this, I am in the middle process of going through the Divine Mercy Novena. And the Divine Mercy Novena, like many of the prayers we have, it goes around the same structure as the Rosary, where there's five decades of ten. Um, so the prayer that it sends is not the Hail Mary you're saying, the prayers are different. And the prayer that I wanted to talk about goes right in line with the humility that we discussed in the last episode, where how could I possibly grasp the uh, the mind of God? And the particular part that I want to discuss here, and this is not to challenge it, this is more of an understanding thing, just to start with that as the mindset, is that each of the decades begin with, Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood of, of Jesus in, in his passion. I, I'm saying it a little bit wrong, but... Um, Soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. That's exactly it. And, and my fundamental question is, how can I do that? I mean, I am not anywhere near on par with Jesus. How can I... First off, how can I offer something that's not mine? Because um, I don't have the soul and divinity of Jesus. Um, so that's question one. Question two, how can, in the realm of humility, how is like that even conceivably thinkable that I would be capable and or worthy enough to do that? Like, like these are the questions that were coming to me as we were uh, praying the novena each night for the last couple of nights. And um, it, it's a starting point question. And I don't know if I've made it make sense or if I've clouded it, but that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, no, it's a great question. It's uh, huh, uh, a question I'm just delighted that you asked because I probably haven't put this into words and it's really, really useful. Uh, and, and just the way that you asked it is, is uh, right on par too. What, what does this mean to offer that? So it gets us, uh, I have to take a step or two back in a way that I think will be helpful. Um, uh, and I could say it like this, well, what can you offer? <laughs> so you, you identify rightly, uh, you know, you ask the question uh, understandably, well, how can I offer this? Good. That's a good question. But what can you offer? You know, what do you offer? Well, well, we do offer things. Um, and when things aren't going well, um, sometimes I offer some money and I buy some expertise or I buy some uh, uh, insurance plan or I buy some, I invest something today to remedy a problem or prevent a future problem. So mm -hmm. we can think of how money and certain applications of money do that for us. Sometimes I invest something today to uh, remedy a current problem or a future problem in terms of my time and attention. I make a friend. I uh, ask for a favor. I uh, reach out to an expert, professional in some way, and I'm offering something of myself. Sometimes I, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. We we think of these things in a somewhat quid pro quo kind of way that. Well, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm not really going to count the cost, but you know, maybe in the future you're going to do me a favor. So we invest something today 
that does something for us tomorrow, maybe even helps to remedy something today. So there are things that I can offer. Now, how do we offer things to God? Uh, so there, there is a sense that, you know, there is a, there is something over all of this. You know, these are the fundamental questions of religion. These are fundamental human questions. And so they go back to the beginning of time. How do I, you know, how do I do something to get rain on my crops? Like who's in charge of rain? So I know what I need to do to get fertilizer on my crops. I need to, you know, raise my own cows or I need to pay the guy next door to give me some of his cow manure that I can spread on my crops. I know how to do that, but how do I get rain? You know, there are things that are out of our control. How do I get good fortune? Uh, how do I get healing for things that are beyond the, the, the power of the doctor? And so we have these kinds of stretching forth. And then like, how do I get some mastery over death? And how do I get meaning into my life? <laughs> I mean, they're like bigger and bigger questions that we can sort of expand out into. And, and that's where it's like, well, you know, if I, it, maybe there's some way of offering something today that makes it possible for me to do that. And, and then the, the various whatever re religions and, and religious systems of sacrifice and, you know, whether it's crops or animals, it goes back to the beginning of the Bible with Cain and Abel. I mean, Cain and Abel are making offerings to God. That's the, the you know, second generation uh, humans, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, that kind of fundamental impulse and from the, apparently from the best of the crop, you know, so when it's not entirely clear what the thing is going on between Cain and Abel and why Abel's sacrifice is accepted and Cain's isn't, but it probably has something to do with Abel's being from the best of his crops and Cain's not really being from the best of his flock. And so they're not really giving their best now to God for you know, the sake of the relationship in some sense for the sake of the future is uh, another part of that. But that system of sacrifice, like how do I give something? How do I offer something? What do I have to offer? And what matters? You know, it's like, if you if you need a medical doctor to take care of your son and you give him some dandelions, um, that may be a real offering for you, but it may not make a bit of difference to him. So what you offer needs to not only be important to you, it needs to be important to the one you're offering it to. So what's important to God? What, what's what what does he care about, as it were? You know, so when I'm making this offering, and that's again the, the kind of casting about in some sense of all the religions of the world. And then God revealed it to the, to the Hebrews, to the Israelites. He said, like, offer this, do this thing, build this temple and offer these sacrifices for all of these different things. Sin in one case, good crops in another case, thanksgiving in another case, uh, intercession for whatever need you have in another case. These are all the things to offer. And he just tells them what to do. So it's like, oh, well, that's good because then we know what matters to him. Now, now, is it because he needs goats and bulls and sheep? And no, I mean, God doesn't need any of those things. And so like, well, what, is, what does that even mean? Well, actually what he was doing is establishing a whole sacrificial system by which we offer. So it matters to us. And what matters to him is what matters to us. Because what God really wants is not our stuff. He wants our hearts. And how does he actually get into our hearts? Well, I can't really give him my heart without giving him my stuff. <laughs> These things are not separated. How do I give him my heart? Well, I give him the best of what I have. And so uh, give the firstborn of your flock. 
Give the first harvest of your flock. It's like, I, man, I worked for that. Yeah, that's why I want it. I want the thing you worked for because that's where your heart is. That's what I want. And so God is teaching them. And then he's teaching them like a place to do it in and a way to offer it. There are some things they offered and they got something back for it. There are other things they offered. They burned it to, they incinerated a holocaust. That's what a holocaust is. It's a thing that's completely destroyed. There's nothing left from it. And that's a different kind of offering. So it's one thing to make an offering that like, well, I tithe to the organization who, by the way, will give something back to me because I like the organization. They're doing good things and eventually they'll do good things for me. Well, that's a certain kind of tithe. It's not an equal trade. I am just giving, but I know I'm going to get something back for it Uh, or a tax refund, you know, or a tax exemption or something. I get something for the offering. There are other kinds of offerings we make where it's like, that thing is gone. It's gone. And I just offered it and it, it is what it is. It's given and I get nothing back. And that's a different kind of offering. So I'm just describing all of these different dimensions of offering just to get us into like a mentality of offering. What do I offer? Well, so the amazing thing is now none of these offerings actually do anything for the, you know, the blood of bulls and calves and goats and turtle doves and, you know, crops and wave offerings and holocausts and all this stuff like you know, in a way, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't actually take sin away. It doesn't actually affect the thing. And so uh, what does? Well, what really redeems is, is love. And, and so what God gives us in Christ is the sacrifice that is the fulfillment and the end of every other sacrifice. He gives us in Christ all of his love. And he gives us in Christ in humanity, a total offering of love back to the Father. So what we have in Christ is this movement from the love of God for us, the gathering in of all of our humanity, and the offering of that humanity back to the Father. So what happened in the Paschal Mystery, what happened in uh, on Good Friday, is that your humanity, Joe, united to the humanity of Christ, in all of its sin, brokenness, woundedness, successes, uh, greatness, strengths, talents, all of this, your whole humanity was united with Christ and offered to the Father. Um, were you there for that? No, I don't think so. You, <laughs> But it was offered anyway. Mm-hmm. But only mostly. The part that was missing was your cooperation. So how do you give your cooperation to the offering of your humanity as a sacrifice of love back to the Father? Eternal Father, I offer you his sacrifice because in his sacrifice is my sacrifice. In his sacrifice is my life and the life of everybody I love. And in fact, the life of all of humanity. But insofar as part of it's mine, and you gave it to me to offer, I'm going to offer it back to you. And so it's really my life united with the offering of Christ that I'm offering back to the Father. Yeah, I would never have come up with that by myself. (laughs) (laughs) I give you a lot of... (laughs) 
I give you a lot of moving parts. Well, <laughs> this is why you know you, you are a professor at this and, and, and teach people deep stuff, and I'm just pointing out things I don't understand. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I knew that there had to be a, a, a lot to that, and when we we look at, at what what you just said there, the, the kind of a thought came to me. It was like that was done for me. Um, in terms of everything you just said about Good Friday. But I didn't do anything. You know, like you said, I wasn't even alive. I wasn't even there. So so the part of me feels like I'm taking credit for someone else's work in a sense there. Um and and every from the explanation you just gave, that's not the case. But the that's the feeling that, that came to me and it, it could be based in, upon a misunderstanding or just a wrong way of looking at it. But I feel like who, who am I to take credit for someone else's work, let alone for the most important work that's ever been done. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. That's exactly the point of praying for it. And, and that's the proper, you know, uh, so the Divine Mercy Chaplet is in an area of spirituality that we would call popular piety. So it's the way that all of this theological stuff that I just went through gets into the minds of the popular, mm-hmm. of the people, and, and just becomes something that we do. So there are a lot of people that are praying that eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ and atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. You know, and, and just going through these things. Now, they've got these phrases in their heads. They're offering them for an intention. They're getting their lives drawn up into that. They're learning about the passion. These things are quite, there's a lot of things happening that people aren't thinking about. It's just happening by virtue of doing it. And we don't need to understand everything to do it. And so this is how a lot of, you know, our spirituality gets into the flesh and bones of our people is through things like popular piety. But the problem with not having the understanding is sometimes it can get a little off track. Like I, I utter this magical formula and I get these results out. <laughs> and that's the kind of thing that we always need to move away from. And, and what God is talking about, even with the sacrifices in the Old Testament, as if, you know, I got whatever, a, you know, a bull, a bull and a couple of sheep and a turtle dove, and I'm going to offer them, I get this thing out. You know, it's like, no, that's not how that works. And that's the message we constantly hear through the prophets. It's not just about the external form of the offering. It's about understanding. It's about offering ourselves in it. Now, mm-hmm. the reality is, as we keep praying these things with faith, the Holy Spirit has a way of doing that for us moving us into a place that it's more of a self-offering. But just a, a little bit of a kind of preface to say, am I taking credit for what somebody else did? Uh, yes and no. Uh, one thing is I do take credit for what somebody else did because he gives me permission to do that. It's sort of like uh, these things work as you know best in families. Uh, you know, someday your son... Uh, well, he's going to be sitting next to you in church and you're going to like hand him a $20 bill to put into the offertory. Mm-hmm. And he's going to put it in. And he's going to feel good about it. Like that's your work, man. <laughs> yeah. What's he feeling good about, right? You just put the thing in his hand. But, but because you gave it to him, he can offer it. And his offering means something. It's not meaningless. No, it's not quite the same as when you offer it because 
your sweat is on that $20 bill in a way that his isn't, but he's aligned with you as your son. He shares in a real way with you, your life and your livelihood and your earnings and your successes. And you share that with him. And, and that's a, that's a fact of love insofar as there's love in your family and there is in yours. That's why I can say that that doesn't always happen in every family, you know, but, um, but, but you, you will always, your successes will be his successes and his offering of your successes will be really his offering because he really is, there is a union with you. Again, there's a, there's a difference, but it's, it's a, a difference in degree, not in kind, maybe, you know, the, so, so there is a way that I, that we offer it, but then there's also a thing, part of Christ's offering is my offering. And so I'm offering myself with that sacrifice with his body blood soul and divinity because that's my body blood soul and you know it's his divinity poured into me but that's my life in him and and he did it for me but it's not complete until i offer it and that's why saint paul says in in uh oh first in colossians 124 uh, i make up in my body what is lacking in the sufferings of christ for the sake of his body, the church. What's lacking in the sufferings of Christ? My yes, my acceptance, my participation, my permission for him to offer what he already offered for me. And so I'm kind of renewing my my permission in addition to offering what he has shared with me when I pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. That portion that you just said there, um, quoting from the Bible there, it's something that never was, and I am someone who went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, and a Catholic college. So pretty much as much of the uh, the, the Catholic teachings as, as you can get, um, that never really got articulated. That there was something that's lacking and requires insight, because that is yet another reason to participate within the faith and, and to listen to it. Um, you know, it, the, the, the way it was taught to me was always the, the mindset of God is perfect. God took care of everything. And that's why we need to, to give him thanks. And certainly there's, that's not a completely false statement. I'm not trying to, to say that everything I was taught my whole life is wrong, but it takes away everything that you just said throughout this episode. There's an importance of us involved in this in in participating and that yes he did something that no person will ever be able to do again or had done before that is all true but that doesn't mean that it's fully complete or that we basically can sit back and do nothing and you know obviously doing the divine the Divine Mercy Novena is, is part of this and what open up these questions to do deeper knowledge. But in all of the regular practices of the faith, of living a virtuous life, of going to confession when things are, are not right in our lives, participating actively in communion and, and in the overall body of the church, I can see how it's all intertwined without asking the question. Maybe I jump steps that that, that I made that are incorrect leaps, but that notion that there's still more work to do and that we are responsible for it, you know, basically it's, you know, God did a lot. Like 
lot and basically everything, but there's still a little but important part that we're, we're here to do. And I think that people can get lost and probably naturally so in thinking that my part's so little, therefore it has to be insignificant. Well, the reality is there's a lot of little things that we do in our lives that are completely significant and our life would not be the same if we didn't do these little things. You know, just think about basic hygiene. In the time span of 24 hours of the day, you spend a astronomically insignificant amount of that time brushing your teeth. But imagine if you never did that, what life would be like. And I look at this and, and maybe that's a very crude example, but I kind of think that that's the, the same type of, of vibe that you're trying to tell here. And when I look at at my life and teachings, and like I said, I'm assuming that most people have felt this, that there is an important significance to this. And I know for myself that if I feel something's insignificant or not worth doing it, I don't do it. I mean, that's part of what I teach my clients. Don't do things that aren't significant to your business. And therefore, you should strive to get rid of them because all they do is create problems. And I think that there is a massive problem that we have as a faith, not articulating the importance of what we're doing here, even though it's small. So, Father, I want to give you a chance to, to conclude this episode um, as you've taught me so many things that I didn't know about. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, I like your teeth brushing example. That's a really, uh, it's really interesting uh, insight. And I would just... Uh, amplify it. And I don't know how to make a different example that would correct this particular aspect. But if you don't brush your teeth, then your teeth start to rot and you have some problems. Um, it's not life and death. So if you don't do this, it makes all the difference. Uh, the, our participation, although seemingly very small, uh, makes a big difference, as, as you described very well. Our participation, if we withhold it, prevents anything from happening for us. So we have veto power in that sense. Our free will is, is an incredible power. Our free will is the capacity to make it happen for us and to stop it completely for us. It's not like the difference between an A and an A plus. It's not like, well, it's basically gonna be fine if I don't do anything, but if I do something, it'll be a little bit better. No, it's like for me, it's eternal life and eternal death. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's ultimate and, and uh, absolute significant consequences. And for others also, uh, it makes a huge difference. Now, God will not ultimately compromise someone else's salvation because of my refusal. Uh, I can't prevent the salvation of someone else by my willingness or unwillingness, but it makes a significant impact on other people's salvation as well and and on the effect of their life now but just a you know a very small thing like brushing your teeth but the consequence of not brushing your teeth is not just that your teeth rot out it's that your whole body rots out <laughs> i suppose well absolutely i mean you can't eat so eventually you wither away and this is the way of looking at society as a whole here so as my son's going loud here in the background, we're going to conclude today's episode. So I, I, we thank everyone for, for listening with us here today, and we will be with you again here next week.